Just because we've had bad starts in our lives, it doesn't mean we will have bad ending. And that's the title of my message this morning. Bad start doesn't mean bad ending. It doesn't matter where you are right now and what stage of life you are right now, whether you've had a bad start in life, God wants you to have His destiny and His ending for your life, which is good. Somebody say good. But I'm going to tell you an occasion where things really didn't start very well. And that was the occasion when Nancy and I got married 40 years ago. We got married in this church at Oxford in the UK. And it's one of those times in our lives where everything that could go wrong on a wedding day went wrong. Now, just about a week before the wedding, I lost my contact lenses. And I rang my opticians down in London. And I said, can you, can you just uh, send me my contact lenses? Now, you must understand, you can't just go... Uh, and pick up a pair of contact lenses as you do today from the opticians. Uh, in those days, you only had semi-permeable lenses, and they had, to, they had to be ground to prescription. So I rang my opticians in London and said, can you, can you send me the pair of contact lenses urgently because I'm getting married next week? They said, sir, we can only get you the lenses in two weeks' time. I said, well, I'm getting married next week. They say, sir, you just have to do your best, you know, and, 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 and maybe get married blind. You know, I... And, uh, and, and then Nancy decided to take off her spectacles for the wedding day just to look pretty for the photographs. So it was truly a case of the blind marrying the blind. You know, we couldn't see who we were marrying. And we tied the knot more by faith rather than by sight. Okay? But it's turned out to be a good one, okay? <laughs> that faith was a good one. And on the wedding morning itself, you know, another, in another you know, potential devastating... Uh, devastation was about to take place. My car refused to start. Uh, I got all dressed up. My best man was all dressed up. And we popped into my old Ford Escort. Uh, I just graduated as a medical uh, doctor. Didn't have very much money. And it was an old, uh, not well-kept, and not good-conditioned Ford Escort. So he slipped the key into the ignition, turned it. It went click, 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 click. The battery was absolutely flat. That was 9.30. That was 9.30 in the morning. I needed to get to the church before the wedding starts at 10 o'clock. So here I'm all dressed up, nowhere to go. And my best man ran out of the car in abject horror, knocked on every door of the boarding house at Saturday morning, 9.30, to get everybody up so that they could give the car a push. So we, we saw a whole group of these very bemused, you know, uh, sleepy-looking, blurry-eyed British students walking out in their pyjamas, you know, and all kinds of things in a boxer shorts. And that's when they gave a heave-ho and pushed the car. It was manual, you know, just this was a manual drive, so you could push the car start. And he heave-ho and pushed, and the car started sputtering and then chugging along, and eventually it started. And that's how I got to the church, just on time. People ask me, how was your wedding morning? I said, I had no choice. I was literally pushed into the arms of my wife. <laughs> and then on the wedding ceremony itself, you know, another Mr. Bean occasion took place. Because uh, we, both of us, we were pretty gung-ho for our wedding. We never rehearsed for our wedding. We thought, you know, we'd seen all these weddings take place before. No need to rehearse. We know what to do. Guys, if any one of you is thinking of getting married soon, rehearse. <laughs> so when it came to the point where the minister said to me, Philip, you may now kiss your beautiful bride. I thought to myself, I know what to do. So I lifted up the veil, planted a firm kiss on Nancy's lips. Then I said, what do I do now? Huh? I had a mental blank. And then, horrors of horrors, I pulled the veil down again. 
Palamine. Everybody started laughing in the church. Everything was, you know, like a Mr. Bean wedding after that. Nobody paid any attention. And the worst was yet to come. Because we, when we got married, we were virtually penniless. Nancy was in a Bible school. I just graduated as a, as a medical doctor, not much money. We got married on a grand extravagant budget of 150 pounds. Princess Diana and Prince Charles got married the year before that on 150 million pounds. Okay. 150 pounds. So any and everybody that could give us any help on our wedding day, especially for free, we gratefully received. But what was given to us amazingly was that a friend of ours offered to make us a wedding cake for free. And we said, thank you so much. But what she never told us was she had never made a wedding cake before. <laughs> so on the morning of the reception after the wedding, you know, when the MC uh, jointly announced that, we would, announced that we were going to jointly cut the cake, we lifted up this long knife and we sliced into the cake, but it wouldn't cut. And we started applying pressure and grinning for the cameras, you know. It was sweating it through, still it wouldn't cut. And then we started sawing through the cake. It still wouldn't cut. And we started gently now chopping the cake. It still wouldn't cut. She had made the icing of the cake the thickness of concrete slabs. And eventually, everybody was laughing. It was really a joke wedding. And we did the only one thing we could do in those circumstances. We jointly hoisted up the long sword like a samurai sword. And went, hype! And we chopped it. And that's how we began our marriage. But here we are. 40 years later, still very much married, very much in love, great friends together, and you know, she's my best friend on planet Earth right now. And so, bad start doesn't mean bad continuation, it doesn't mean bad wedding. Today, I want to talk about a prayer that actually undergirds how whatever situation you're going through, however bad it may be, however the bad the start you may be, is a prayer that undergirds your, the principles by which you can break out of a bad start in your life. Because it is God's will that you finish well. Somebody say amen. amen. Everybody say after me, it's God's will, God's will. that I finish well. That's God's will for you. And the, 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 the scripture I'm going to share with you, I'm going to unpack for you, is a scripture you know, about a man who prayed a certain kind of prayer. It is one of the shortest prayers and one of the most powerful prayers in the whole Bible, written by one of the most obscure men. We don't know much about him, but his prayer is timeless. And once we understand his prayer, we will understand how by undergirding our lives with the principles of this prayer, we will be able to break out of everything the enemy tries to throw at us, which is a bad start, a bad midpoint, a bad continuation, and finish well and finish well, and end well. Somebody say amen. amen. And that man whose prayer we are going to unpack is called Jabez. And his prayer is found for us in just two verses in the book of Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. It reads, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Somebody say pain. And verse 10, and Jabez called on the name, a call on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Somebody say pain. pain. So God granted him 
what he requested. Just two verses in this. Now, it is found in First Chronicles. If you get a chance to read First Chronicles, you will find that the first nine chapters of the book of Chronicles is one of the most boring segments in the whole Bible. Because it's all about Old Testament genealogies. It's about so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so was the father and so-and-so, and so-and-so had three sons and X, Y, Z, and Z was the father of A, B, C, and B was the father and begot so-and-so. It just goes on like that, and on and on and on, interminably, with anonymous personages right through, you know. And if you ever read First Chronicles, the first nine chapters, you know you'll start dozing off by chapter 2. By chapter 5, you'll be asleep. And by chapter 7, you'll be dead and buried. You know, it's hard to get through the first nine chapters. But somewhere stuck in the middle of the, of the nine chapters of the book of Chronicles is a name. Now, if you read all the hundreds of names in the genealogies of the first nine chapters, each name may garner at most half a line, you know, or a quarter of a line. But then you come across a name. It's like a bright shining star. It doesn't garner half a line or a quarter of a line. It actually garners two verses and in your Bible, probably eight or ten lines. And this person is obscure. He's not known because he was a great general that led his people to a great war and victory. It's not because he was of royal background and descent that he was a ruler of great renown. The only reason why this name was like a shining star in all nine chapters and garnered ten lines in your Bible instead of a quarter of a line and two full verses was because of the prayer that he prayed. And this man was Jabez. Who was Jabez? What does his name mean? Well, we know from First Chronicles that he came from the tribe of Judah. But beyond that, we don't know much. We know that his name meant pain. And we know that when his mother gave birth to him, it must have been very painful. Now, you must, don't get me wrong. Childbirth is always a painful experience. So they tell me. Not that I've experienced firsthand, okay? So they tell me. It's a very painful experience. But there was something about Jabez's birth that, you know, by the time he was give, delivered, his mother had endured so much pain that he was like, she was like cursing. She was like, I'm never going to have any kids again. This child is going so much pain. Wow, it's terrible. And she was like, I'll call his name Pain. And that's why he was called. And that, that is the name that he was given. A terrible name. Pain. Just imagine that supposing you, you belong to the surname of Lou. And your mother gave birth to you and she had so much pain you caused her. And she called you Lou Sakit. Or somehow if you had a, 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 a Cantonese and you had a surname of Thai. And when you were born... Your parents call you Tai Tao Tong. You know, you're pain in the neck and everywhere you go, you get ridiculed, you get disparaged, you get poked down, you get mocked. And that's how he was born, with a name called Pain. Is it incredible? Well, how terrible is that? You may ask, what's in the name? Well, you know, people get terrible names all around, but in the Jewish genealogies and understanding and culture, a name means everything. That's why when God gave Abraham his promise, he said, Abraham, your name will no longer be called Abram, but Abraham, because you are the father of nations. Jacob, you will no longer be called Jacob, the supplanter, the cheater, the deceiver, but you shall be called Israel, 
because you've wrestled with God and you've succeeded. So a good name, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 22 verse 1, a good name is to be chosen above great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. So the Bible tells us a good name is actually a blessing. A bad name is a curse. It's a curse. You know, when I was working in Sabah, there were lots of uh, patients that I saw who had very peculiar names. Uh, they were given names by many of the rural folks. There was a boy that came to see me. His name was Helicopter. Because he was delivered in a helicopter by his mother when she was evacuated from a rural village. There was another one, one. The boy was actually called Super Boy. Been Superman. And when he was called, Superman brought in Superboy. But I would tell you, Superman looked nothing like, you know, the guy you see on, on your movies. And there was a guy who loved durians, and he called his son Musang King. But anyway, you know, names can, can be a source of ridicule round, especially in our global world today. You've got to be very careful how you name your child. Because in another nation, or, you know, on the internet, it can mean something else. And that's what Hollywood played on in a movie that came out about 50 to 18 years ago, and it's called Meet the Parents. Anyone ever seen this movie before? It is such a funny uh, movie. It's, it's a comedic you know, background about names. And it's about a wonderful, wonderful man who was a, a male nurse who fell in love with this beautiful girl who belonged to an established family. You know, in the family were lawyers and doctors and so on. <clears throat> but this young man, he had an unfortunate name. His name was Gay Lord Fokker. Now, just in case you think that that's like a little bit lewd and obscene, I would just tell you, Fokker is a legit Dutch name. It's a legit Dutch surname, okay? And uh, it's quite common in the United States. It's very common in Holland. And that's why, you know, in Malaysia, for many, many years, you know, when you were traveling domestic flights, they brought you onto a turboprop plane called the Fokker Friendship. You remember that? Okay, so that's a very, very legit name. But because of that name, he suffered endless humiliation in this family. It's so funny, you're rolling around you know, in, in your seats, just laughing this. And when it, the movie finally finishes, Gaylord actually wins the affection of this beautiful girl and the trust of her father, who was played by Robert Nero. He eventually trusts him. And now, it was such a successful movie that Hollywood decided to make a sequel. And the sequel was one, the, this side of the family met Gaylord Fokker's family. And it's called Be the Focus. Okay, and, and, and the movie then plays on this. But what the movie is underlying, telling us that names can cause social clouds. It can cause a family curse. Sometimes, you know, if you come from small villages, sometimes in villages they would say, don't, don't associate with that, that Chan family. They're all gamblers. Or don't associate with that, that uh, Tong family. They're all uh, alcoholics. Marriages break up. They've got mistresses and what? That's a social cloud. There's a family curse, and that's association. This is the context in which Jabez was born into. He had a pretty bad start. He was an object of pain. He was rejected probably by his mom because every time the mom looked at him and said, you caused me pain. I will always look at you and you, you, you. I remember that you caused terrible pain. And wherever you grow up, you'll be an object of pain. It was almost like a curse. He goes to the school playground, he plays. People call him pain, 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 and ridicule him. He was an object of ridicule. He was an underdog amongst his brothers. We know he had brothers. And so the brothers would probably just look at him and say, you know what, you know, your pain, go away, pain. You're just, cause, you know, you're just no good, but a pain in the, you know, neck or whatever. 
he began his life with a curse. But Jabez turned this curse around. He had a bad beginning, but he turned this curse around. How did he turn this curse around? And that's where Scripture never misses. It unpacks for us two verses of the most, one of the most powerful and shortest prayer ever in the Bible. And once we unpack these principles, we will know that Jabez did one thing consistently in his life to reverse that curse. He prayed. Somebody say, prayed. He gave his life to this prayer and lived this prayer out. And there were six things prayer, Jabez prayed to break the curse. The first thing that he did in his prayer was that he separated himself unto God. It says here in verse 9, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. The word honorable there comes from the Hebrew root word meaning uh, holy. It comes from the root word kabod, which means holy, which means separated unto God so that the weight of God's glory and presence would fall. He separated himself unto God. Now, you must understand Jabez. Here he is in the playground. Here he is amongst his brothers. Here he is in society as he grows up, you know. And everybody ridicules and mocks his name. You know, right from the word go, when he was, he was small. Can you imagine the childhood abuse, the scarring on his psyche, his inferiority, and everything else that would be playing on his mind? Most people like that in a certain circumstances. You know what? They would be so antisocial. They would separate from people unto themselves. They would throw themselves a pity party. You know, they would throw themselves a, a party where, you know, they, they hate everybody because everybody rejects them. But not Jabez. It said that he was more honorable than his brothers. While his brothers were playing around with social media, you know, and all kinds of video games, he separated himself, not from people, but he separated himself unto God. Somebody say, Amen. He didn't separate himself from people unto himself and through a pity party. He separated himself unto God, unto God. That's the first thing he did. So whatever you're going through, whatever your circumstances, God is calling you today to separate yourself unto Him. Doesn't matter what your start was. Doesn't matter what your family was. Doesn't matter what, what the, the background that you've had. Don't, don't take a pity party. Don't inflict self-pity and wallow in the mud of self-pity. Separate yourself unto God. And this is what Jabez did. He separated himself unto God. Secondly, he called upon God. Somebody say called. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and he called on the God of Israel. And the word called here is the word cried out, cried out. And what is the posture of the word crying out? Now, many of us, when we're in bad circumstances in our lives, we will cry out to God, but often in anger, in demand, in entitlement. God, why has this happened to me? God, why? God, you promised this, but it's not been done. God, do you know this is happening to me? That's not the way Jabez called out. The connotation of the word cried out is called out in the same way that Jesus called out in a posture of total submission and surrender. Just like when Jesus was on the cross, he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Into your hands I commit my spirit. It's a cry out to God, the Father who's in intimacy with him, but a posture of surrender. Just like Jesus cried out to God in Hebrews 5 verse 7, and he made, he prayed on our behalf, interceded for us with loud and fervent cries to God. Hebrews 5 verse 7. And God heard him because of his submission. So there's one posture now. Jabez separated himself unto God. 
so that the glory of God, the weight of God's presence would fall upon him. He didn't separate himself from people, you understand? He didn't separate himself from people to, to himself to throw a small pity party for himself and just brood for the next 30 years of his life, wallowing in self-pity and rejection and anger and bitterness. No, he didn't separate himself from people, but he separated himself unto God. And then he cried out to God. Not in demand, but in a posture of total surrender to God. He called on the God of Israel. He prayed aloud in his heart to God from a posture of surrender and intimacy with God. Because the glory of God was on him. That's how he prayed. And as he prayed that, something began to happen in his life. This is what he prayed. We know he prayed this prayer because the chronicler records it for us. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Now, when people read this prayer, they think, Jabez, my goodness, this prayer is all about you. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, that you be with me and not that you keep me from evil. Not at all. So close was he to God, so surrendered to God. He wasn't praying a me, 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 me prayer. He was praying a you, me, you, me, you, me prayer. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. It was a you, me, you, me, you, me prayer. He was in a posture of submission and surrenderedness to God. He was in partnership with God. See, one of those things that happens to us when we're in pain is that we actually leave God behind and we wallow in our self-pity. The secret, my friend, is to bring God into your pain and partner with Him. Let Him partner with you in your pain. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. You, me, you, me, you, me, you, me. So the first step to breaking curses in our lives is to set yourself aside for God and to be filled with His presence and to call upon Him. Now many people reading this verse think that Jabez just prayed this prayer once and somehow or other it was caught up. But I will convince you that Jabez probably prayed this prayer many, many, many times in his life. Maybe throughout his whole life. It was probably his vocalized lifestyle. Why was that? Why is that so? Why do I believe that this is the case? Because if Jabez had prayed this prayer just once or twice in the privacy of his closet in his own room, nobody would have known this prayer. It would never have been recorded in history for us because Jabez didn't write the Chronicles. It would never have been. We were not known his prayer. He must have articulated his prayer both privately and publicly. He must have gone around to people and said, oh God, that you would bless me. He must have gone around saying, praying publicly in the synagogue, you know, on the streets, oh God, that you would bless me that you will enlarge my tent, that your hand will be upon me, that you will keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Oh God. And people talk to him in his workplace and say, oh, Jabez, how are you? Yeah, I pray that God, I pray that God will bless me, that his hand will be upon me, that I may not cause pain. Oh, that he would enlarge my charity. Oh, Jabez, oh. And after a while, the whole village knows. The people in the workplace knows. The friends know. The people in the synagogue know. That Jabez, his name is Pain. You know, he's, you know people laugh at him because he's, he's not getting anywhere in his life. He always prays his prayer. Jabez, oh, he's the guy who prays that prayer. Oh, that you would bless me. That you would yeah, enlarge my territory. That your hand would be upon me. He's always praying that. Nothing is coming of it. Can you see? But everybody knows he prayed that prayer. That's the only reason why when the chronicler wrote the chronicles, whoever the chronicler was, he was writing all the names of the genealogies. And when he came to the name of Jabez, he stopped. 
Jabez, that guy, he prayed this prayer. And everybody knew about it, this generation. So he recorded that prayer down for us. Here's the point. Jabez prayed this prayer and the principles of this prayer his whole life. He lived this prayer out in his whole life. Somebody say amen. And he lived this prayer so that it actually epitomized him. It internalized him. It became his prayer, identified with him. So this is the thing. When we come into God's presence and separate ourselves unto God and call upon God's name in the posture of surrender, we begin to take the prayer of Jabez and it undergirds our lives. We live this prayer out in our lives. And this is what prayer Jabez prayed. Jabez prayed, God, bless me. He called on God to bless him. Everybody say bless. And Jabez called on God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me. You would bless me. Hallelujah, that you would bless me. Now, I don't know about you. Most people, when they pray prayer of blessings, they're like, God, he didn't pray to, uh, to God for a Ferrari or a Porsche or, you know, the later Tesla model. He didn't pray to God for first class travel or private jet. He said, God, that you would bless me. I give you a blank check. Whichever way you want to bless me, just bless. If you think you want to just give me a single story terrace house somewhere in KL, you know, in the outskirts, that's my blessing. You know, why did he give God a blank check? Because he knew God knows the end from the beginning and the beginning to the end. God knows what's best for him. You know, if you leave me to do something, I don't know, Pastor Chu maybe has the same kind of testimony, Pastor Lee Chu. If you leave Pastor Nancy and I to, to, to decide, especially me, where I should, be, I should be today and which city in the world I should be, I can tell you it won't be KK. Because you know what? You, sometimes you feel, you know what? Well, you know what? With everything that in the background, we should be in a bigger city and you know, more happening. But God says, I want you to go to KK. So you want to bless me? In KK, yes, I want to bless you in KK. But, 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 I know the end from the beginning. The beginning from the end. KK will be the best place for you. Until I tell you to go and leave KK, it's the best place for you. And so I'm here in KK, 39 years. And today, it's the best place. Don't have any midlife crisis. I'm not one of those that, you know, just pop open three buttons in the front and tries to grow some hair on my chest and a big gold chain and drive a flashy red Ferrari. I don't need to do that. I don't have any midlife crisis. And look, Pastor Chu, we don't have any midlife crisis either. You know what? We're still cavemen fighting the spiritual heavenlies, you know, right through. It's the best place. Whatever you want, you do it. You bless me. Everybody say, bless me. How many of you want God to bless you? Can I see your hands? God's way, can I see your hands? Wave it. Could you give God a blank check? A posture of surrender, separatedness. You cry out, you give him a blank check. Reminds me of a story of a man who actually fell off a cliff. He was tumbling down the cliff at night and then suddenly caught over a branch. And you know, it was dangling. His life depended on him holding onto the branch. So he cried out, God, help me, help me, God. And a voice came from heaven and said, son, let go. He said, God, no, I can't let go. Help me. Is there any way to help me? The voice said, son, let go. He said, God, no, please come and help me. Send an angel. The boy said, son, let go. And he just said, no, no, God, I, I just got to hold on. Don't worry. Yeah, is anyone else up there? He said. And by the time dawn came, he saw that it was only three feet off the ground from the sand. He should have let go. He should have given God a blank check. That's, a, that's what Jabez prayed. Lord, bless me. 
And then he prayed to God. The fourth thing. God, enlarge my territory. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Expand my borders. Expand my borders. What does it mean by expand your borders? Okay, I know it's a pandemic. The last two years, many people have expanded their borders and enlarged their territory. He's not talking about that kind of enlargement. Okay, somebody say amen. Okay, yeah, he's not talking. He's talking about God, expand my capacity, my sight, that I may see how big you are. Because a lot of things where we are is because of the size of our God. Expand my vision, my faith to see how big you are. Expand my capacity so that I know what you can fill my life with. Expand my vision. Expand, oh God, my influence. Expand, oh God, the ministry and the lives that I touch. Expand, oh God, the sound of my voice to influence for your kingdom. Expand my concept of what the kingdom is like. Expand my vision of who you are, your promises to me, and who I am to you. Expand my territory. Enlarge that. And he talks about this influence in your family. You know, I believe that. You know, some of you, you're very young. You may be the youngest in the family of 10. But because you come to know the Lord, because God has put wisdom upon you, because your life has changed, because there is a success that God has put upon your life. Guess what? I've seen people. They're the youngest in a family of 10. When it comes to family matters, when the family gathers on Chinese New Year's Day, the youngest guy, because he's a believer, he calls the shots. He speaks because they, they look to him for wisdom. I believe that that's what happened to Jabez. He ex his territory was expanded so that his brothers who looked down upon him and mocked and ridiculed him, now listen to him. How many of you want that? Amen. In 1870s, there was Bishop Milton Wright who was at the United Brethren Christian Conference and he said these words. He said, angels fly, birds fly, but men are not designed to fly, he had two sons, Orwell and Wilbur Wright, who 40 years later, after this, just under 40 years later, flew the first plane off the sands of Kitty Hawk in North Carolina. When you look at that, just a simple contraption, that's when men, men first flew. And Bishop Milton Wright had apologized to his son because his mind was too small. And you know, after that, today, an A380 Airbus can lift off the runway, 680 tons can lift off the runway effortlessly because the law of aerodynamics overcomes the law of gravity. And just think about it, 1907, okay? 62 years, just 62 years after this picture, man landed on the moon. Wow. Your God is too small. Oh, that you would bless me. Enlarge. Somebody say enlarge. Enlarge my territory. How much would you allow God to enlarge your territory in your limited time on earth? Depends on you. Depends on the prayer you pray. Depends how much you want God to reverse that which the enemy is trying to encase you in and oppress you and trap you in and bound you in. Depends how much. And Jabez prayed the fifth thing. He said, your hand would be with me. Everybody say hand. That the hand would be, the word hand would be with me is the hand of God. See, the hand of God, when you read scriptures, can be two things. It can be a hand of judgment or it can be a hand of power. What follows the word hand is determines whether it's a judgment hand or a powerful hand. If your hand is against me, it's a judgment hand. If the hand of God is with me, 
It's a hand of empowerment and approval and authority. Somebody say amen. How many of you want God's hand to be with you? Can I see your hands? Wave it in the air. Now take your hands, put your hands out and look at your hands. Do your hands look nice? You sure? Now look at your neighbor's hands. Tell your neighbor, nice hands. But tell your neighbor one more time, but my hands are nicer. God's hand wants to be with you so that your hands, wherever you touch, will be hands of blessing. Hands that break through into miracles, yes? Hands that bring the glory of God into a person's life, yes? Hands that cast out demons, amen? Hands that bring the love of God into your family, amen? You know, many years ago, I was, I was, uh, uh, I was in a hotel in KL. And then I bumped into a guy called um, uh, Alan Robey. Have you heard of Alan Robey? Alan Robey is the original Spider-Man. He's a Frenchman who climbed all the tallest structures in the world. So free solo climbing. No ropes, nothing, free solo. He's climbed the Burj Khalifa, you know, Taipei 101 and so on. He came into KL quietly to climb the Petronas Twin Tower at that time. The tallest building in the world. This was in the 1990s. I bumped into him in the Novotel Hotel at the time in Jalan Imbi. In, in the foyer, I said, hey, yeah, Alan Robey. He said, oh, nobody recognized him, but I knew who he was. So I took pictures with him and I said, can, can I feel your hands? Because I'm a medical doctor. I'm very interested to see what your hands look like. Okay, he showed me his hands. Now, you look at your hands, huh? all your fingertips go taper at the end. Alan Robey's finger, fingertips and thumb tips, they actually broaden out at the end. And you look at his muscles, there's not an inch of fat on him. He was built for the climb. And if he actually were to hold you just in one hand, he could squeeze life out of you. The amount of strength in that hand was just so incredible. God says, I'm going to make your hand a hand of authority, a hand of empowerment, a hand of blessing, a hand of love. I'm going to make that hand because my hand will be with you. Everybody say after me, God's hand is with me. And that is, and, and that's what the Bible says in Isaiah 59, for the, behold, the Lord's hand is not too short that he cannot save. And the hand of the Lord, Acts 11 verse 21, was with them and the great number who believed turned to the Lord. That's a power of God. That's a power of God. God's hand is with you. Look at your hands again. Now realize this thing. The reason why we are the dominant species in the whole of the world over every other species on earth is not just because of our brains. Our brains is only part of the, the reason. Okay, it's because of our hands. Without hands, just think, if we didn't have hands, we didn't have hands, and we just had brains, the chimpanzees and the gorillas have killed us a long time ago. Think about it. True. We wouldn't have existed as a species. We have brains, but we have hands. And with these hands, we can do microvascular dissection surgery, neurosurgery. We can invent electron microscopes. We can invent things that can look at subatomic particles, and we can invent things that actually send, you know, send capsules to Mars. Huge things. They built empire state building and huge tall buildings in the world. Incredible. Our hands. Not just our brains. God says, these hands. God, enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me. And then when the hands come, hands of blessing, healing, miracles, guidance, protection, turnarounds, and breaking of curses in our lives. And finally, Jabez prayed this. He said, that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. That finally he said this, Oh God, he said that you will bless me, that you will enlarge my tent, that your hand would be with me. And then he prayed this. It's almost anticlimactic. 
Because it's almost like it's a crescendo, you see. That you will bless me. That you will enlarge my tent. That your hand would be with me and then that you would keep me from evil. That I may not cause pain. It's almost anticlimactic. Why so strange? You know, you've got the orchestra going, J-Bass. You should know, you should really get you know, all the instruments in by the time the strings and the wind instruments and the percussion instruments and everything rises up to a huge crescendo that you finish in this wonderful, glorious prayer. No, it finishes that you, may, that you may keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Why did he pray like that? Why did he pray like that? Because of two reasons. Because he knew firsthand what the wrong kind of pain could do. He has experienced it. People mock, ridicule, disparage him. People kicked him around like a football. They say bad things about him. He had a terrible start in life. Some of us may have had starts like that. We came from a broken family. Father may be an alcoholic. There may be abuse in the family. Verbal, physical, sexual, all kinds of abuse. We turn around and say we are no good. Kick around and we don't have a future. Somehow we struggle and somewhere in the line we accumulated a lot of baggage, a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger. God's speaking to you today. God's speaking to you today. And Jabez had experienced all this. But somewhere, because he prayed his prayer, not just once, but continuously and continuously and continuously in his life. So that it internalized in his life. He articulated it in his life. He spoke it and proclaimed it in his life. He began to live it out in his life. That because he did that, he broke free. And he, the first thing he said as he came to the end of prayer, Lord, that I may not cause pain. Not like the people who cause me pain. See, if you've been through pain, you're probably one of the best people to minister to the people who've been hurt, who are in pain. Can somebody say amen? God's going to think, make all things turn around for good. What's the pain for? So that you can minister to those in pain and you yourself may not cause pain. Somebody say amen. That I may not cause pain because you experienced pain firsthand. Here's the second reason why he prayed that I may not cause pain Tell me, keep me from evil that I may not cause pain because he knew the dangers of success. Because we know at the end of this prayer, God granted him his request. Now he's, he's putting this prayer right here at this point in his life because success had now come into his life. That he, he knew the dangers of success. The world tells us success breeds success. Oh, you need to get a few successes under your belt and that creates momentum. You know, you can demand more fees, you can create a higher profile. You know what? So long as you get a million kind of hits, you know, on, on YouTube or on, on social media, you know what? You can be paid by the companies and you can demand fees and all that. Aim for the next million. After that, aim for the next 10 million. You know what? The world tells us success breeds success. But JPS is like, no. Success breeds danger. Dangerous. He saw the dangers. What kind of dangers will success bring? Many kind of dangers. We've seen it in our lives. We know it. We know these kind of things. Pastor Chu is standing up here and he's telling you, I've been walking with God so many years of my life. He's beyond his mid-70s now. Wait, so many years of my life. Is it possible that, you know, success with big buildings, big congregation, profile in the nation can come to your head? It's possible. Can come to, Pastor Chu said, come to my head. It's possible. Success breeds dangers. What kind of dangers? Pride pride then we forget God not that we forget God if we don't even know who God is but we think we did it ourselves and then we have a sense of entitlement you know what I'm entitled to the best I'm entitled to all the attention I'm entitled to profile I'm entitled to be special 
And then we have this culture which is called a diva, a celebrity culture. A celebrity syndrome of invincibility. You know, the rules don't apply to us. It can apply to other people. You know, other people have to be ethical, have to be moral, have to be careful. But you know what? We're so successful, the rules don't apply. And that's where the danger is. And when that happens, that's how many leaders fell. In the last few years, so many leaders in the kingdom of God have fallen and have exposed. But if they only had prayed the prayer of Jabez, they would have realized at the pinnacle of the success, God, keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And God granted him his request so that Jabez was not only successful, he finished successful. Many people are successful, but they don't finish successful. They don't finish well. For Jabez, he prayed that praying that you, God, you will keep me from pain. Pain, what kind of pain? From evil that I may not cause pain. What kind of pain? I think to myself. It can happen to my life. What is the biggest kind of pain that will really hurt? Really, really hurt. Shame to the name of Jesus. God, that I may finish my life and not cause your name shame. That I may not hurt the church and the kingdom of God. Oh, don't ever let me do that. That I may not bring pain into my family and friends and my loved ones. That's why I value our friendship, Pastor Chu, Pastor Daniel, some of his close friends. I value their encouragement. Sometimes I have to look in their eyes. Because when it happens to me, that's really bad. It will bring pain to their eyes, besides my family, but to their eyes. So they keep me. That I may not cause pain and then I may not self-destruct. In everything that I have lived for, I may self-destruct that I may not cause pain. And this is what happened. How did Jabez finish? Jabez finished well. So God granted him what he requested. God granted that to him. He finished well. How many of you want to finish well? Can I see your hands? Lift it up in the air. Both hands up in the air right now. I pray right now that in the name of Jesus, that God will grant you the hunger to pray, just like prayer, that Jabez prayed. The principles, you understand the principles. It's good to memorize this prayer and put it into your heart, but the principles to live it out, to internalize it, to live it out all the days of your life. To say it again and again and again and again, God, you would bless me, enlarge my tent. Your hand would be with me that I may not cause pain. Keep me from evil. That you say it again and again. I speak right now with your hands lifted up. Father, you see these hands off every one of your, your sons and your daughters right now. Lord, I, I just thank you for each one of them because there's hunger that you've given to them. There's a wonderful presence, your presence. Your love floods this whole auditorium. Your grace is here. The Lord says to you, my grace is sufficient whatever you've gone through. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness because my son Jesus took away your sins. He came to pay the ultimate price. You can come into my presence. You can come into my kingdom. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus for each and every one of you. I want you to pray with me with your hands lifted up and recite after me these words. Everybody say, Oh God, oh God bless me. Bless me. Extend my borders. Extend my borders. Let your hand be upon me. Let your hand be upon me. Keep me from evil. Keep me from evil. That I may not cause pain. That I may not cause pain. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus for God to set each one of you, wherever your background, that God will set you free. God will break every bondage of the enemy upon your life. Every spell, every hex, you know, every curse that's been put upon you, by even your loved ones, even some, sometimes in your own family, they knowing, knowingly they've said it. Even your spouse or even your teachers, even people in the workplace, people, your friends, I break it in the name of Jesus over your life. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. And today, he who sets, sets free is free indeed because Jesus has set you free. In amen. Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah. One more final call. All heads bowed, all eyes closed right now one more time. Nobody looks around. The greatest, greatest breakthrough you can ever come into your life is to come into God, your Father's presence. And He has made a way for you through Jesus Christ, His Son, who died on the cross for your sins and mine. You want to know the blessings of JPS, the enlargement of your territory, your influence in life? You want to know the wonderful hand of God's love and approval and authority upon you? You want to know how to finish well so that you will not cause pain in your life, but no evil will come upon you. The way has been made open for you through Jesus. If today you have never received Jesus in your heart before, but you say, Pastor Philip, will you pray for me? I want Jesus to come into my life. Then at the count of three, wherever you are, I want you to raise your hand right now. And it will be my joy to pray for you because this is the most important decision you can make today. Friends, don't hold back. If Jesus has spoken to you today, God has spoken to you. At the count of three, you lift up your hand and say, Pastor Philip, pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my life. So are you ready now? All heads bowed, all eyes closed, nobody looks. God is speaking to each one right now. It's a very solemn and a wonderful and important moment. You say, Pastor Philip, I want to have Jesus in my life. Then at the count of three, raise up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Just lift it up right now. Lift it up. Keep it up in the air. Keep it up in the air. I'm going to acknowledge you. Then you look up. When you lift up your hand, you look up at me and I will acknowledge you. I see a hand there, the lady in the, in, in the yellow. I see a hand here. Sir, you're sitting right here. You're in the, in the striped shirt. I see a hand there, sir. You are in, in the t-shirt. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? I see a hand here. Uh, Ma'am, you are in a striped shirt here. Thank you. God bless you. Is, is there anyone else? If I don't see you, just wave your hand at me because I'm going to lead you in the prayer in a minute, in a, just a short while more. If you have not heard what I say just now, let me just say it again. If you say, Pastor Philip, will you pray for me? I want to receive Jesus in my heart. Now at the count of three, just raise up your hand one more time. One, two, three, just lift it up. Lift it up. I see a hand there, sir. I, I've seen the hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And counsellors, anyone else, if I don't see that hand, please wave it at me. Wave it at me. Wave it at me. I see a hand over there. Young lady, that's, that's a hand over there by the side. That side there, please. Counsellor, somebody get to uh, our sister over there. Will you pray the simple prayer now with me? Praise God. Your hearts are there open to Jesus. Will you pray this prayer with me right now? And SIBKL, there's nothing better and nothing more encouraging you can do to encourage our brothers and sisters who have received the Lord and come back to the Lord today than to pray aloud together with me. And those of you who put up your hands, you pray aloud together with me as well. Are you ready now? Say, Father God. Father God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Today. Today. I thank you for the prayer of Jabez. Thank you for the prayer of Jabez. Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. I open my heart to you. I open my heart to you. Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Jesus, I invite you into my heart. 
I thank you that you died for my sins. And you rose again from the dead. With my mouth, I confess you are Lord. With my heart, I believe you died for me. And rose again from the dead. Today, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my Master. In Jesus' name, I give you thanks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. As a senior pastor of this church, it's always my prayer that everyone will come through the portals of this sanctuary encounter the Lord. Thank you for taking time to be with us. You are busy. But the very fact that you are here is no accident, you know. No accident. Because the heart of God reaches out to you. Up to you. Receive Him. Encounter Him. Afresh. And my prayer for you today is that as you spend this time, whether on site or online, you encounter God afresh. One. 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 Not because your wife prayed for you. Not because we all pray. But because you pray. You matter. Your name is written on the palms of his hands. He cares for you. He cares for you. So we just spend a moment, just a minute or two, because we need to close in order for the third service. In this closing moments of this morning, will you surrender? Will you yield? to bless you but he cannot do it if you are recalcitrant if you are stubborn we all know that right as fathers we all know that as fathers member of this church come to my mind I wouldn't mention her name she lived had a terrible life it's true so everything went wrong with her marriage was fractured divorced a family
She came to this church. Her heart softened over the last few years. desire to live came back and today her cancer is healed God can do that for you do you believe it let's all stretch our hands to God as we close Father God So God, today we come to you on your terms because there's enough of things my way. Today, we surrender. And so Lord Jesus, on the strength of your word and all these people here today, with hands raised up to you and at home, you stretch your hands to God. Those of you at home, will you raise your hands to God as well? We receive your goodness. We receive. We want tolak. We receive. Because you're a good God. On your terms. Bless our families. Bless the work of our this hand now does your work this hands are now your hands to bless to heal And so the Lord bless you and keep you this day. The Lord make His face always to shine upon you, church, and always be gracious to you. That's who God is. And may the Lord turn His face, His wonderful face, not away from you, but turn His face towards you. Jesus precious name be prayed and God's people say a very loud Amen. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering.